0: Welcome to the WRSU crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you
1: from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride
2: with the crew. 603
1: on a Tuesday evening here from the fourth floor of the College Avenue Studios. I'm Chris Akonis, and this is is the Tuesday crew on WRSU. Chris Caconis along with Jared Bladdeis, uh, Nick Valsellan, and Alex Carminati on the other side of the glass. And we've got a lot to discuss uh, today. And I think we're going to just go ahead and open up the show uh, with what's on everybody's minds. And that is the news that came out of the Rutgers football camp this morning uh, that Max Melton and Chris Long have both been suspended indefinitely from the team um, following um, an ar- arrests that were made early this morning um, for... Uh, the uh, aggravated assault with uh, paintball guns. Um, latest report is that three people were uh, hit with the paintball guns and um, aggravated assault charges were filed. They were both released uh, out of police custody. And Greg Sean released a statement earlier this morning that they were um, immediately suspended from the team. And that's sort of where it sits right now. So um, obviously, you know, we could talk about the behavioral aspect of this, but this is something that is going to definitely, especially in the case of Melton, uh, definitely affect. Rutgers defensively Um, we don't know how long he's going to be out these are all questions that we're still trying to piece together ourselves and the reporters um, are trying to piece together themselves and we're going to have Richie Schneiderite from Rutgers Rivals um, who we were hoping to get on the show anyway but he's going to come on and you know among other things discuss uh, the latest from this and just you know sort of what this means going forward for uh, both them and for the program so uh, but guys I want to get your initial thoughts Um, I'll start with you Jared and then we'll just sort of go around the room um, you know, I guess, what do you make of... I feel like this news just came completely out of nowhere. So, I guess, what do you make of what you know so far? And just w- how do you think it's going to affect Rutgers?
3: I mean, yeah, something like this obviously comes out of nowhere. Like, we didn't expect something like this to happen. Mellon's been incredibly productive on the defensive side, which obviously we're going to need coming into the Big Ten slate. We're going to need that defensive ability. Obviously, he won't be there. And like you said, we don't know how long he could be out. It's up to Shiano, I guess. But hopefully... They can get this all sorted out, and he could be back on the field soon. I mean, what they did was incredibly immature, and, like, there's no sugarcoating it like it was wrong. They should be suspended for it. But definitely it's going to be – they needed him on the field, and it's really going to negatively impact the defense coming into these tougher games that they've got in the future weeks.
1: Nick, you were going to say?
0: Yeah, man. I would just – I mean, overall, obviously, man, it hurts when you see somebody that – Obviously, is a key contributor for the team uh, defensively. We're talking about a starter. You lose a starter, um, but overall, I mean, what I see when I see these stories, I mean, I see young dude from Mays Landing uh, and uh, Tom's River, rather, and uh, another young kid from Willenboro, And I just see opportunity uh, potentially wasted and just a terrible fumble uh, for these both of these young men that had bright futures with the program. Uh, so more than importantly, that's what I see when I see this. So I'm 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 bummed for the team, but I'm bummed for these kids, man. Obviously decision made and obviously you can't take back what happened Um, but now they have to deal with the uh, implications that come with it
4: it's really a shame. It's really a shame. Max Melton, someone who was the rising star on the, the defensive end for this Rutgers team, It's a sophomore too. Uh, technically a redshirt freshman, but but really a sophomore. But as a whole, it's so, it's, it's an irresponsible move. It's also a move, like you guys said, it's something they can't take back. Take back. It's also going to hurt them, of course, in the long term. Of course, we'll see where this goes. We'll see what eventually happens. But not having a guy like Max Melton on the field for this Rutgers team, someone who has made an impact from the start, someone who got a big pick six in the opening game against Temple, and someone who is stepping up as a leader, as an underclassman, mind you gentlemen. It says a lot. It's also heart-wrenching. It's also not a way to start your Big Ten in-conference play, especially when you travel to Michigan to play the Wolverines. So, you saw Melton really become this bright spark, this player who's probably going to be the Melton of the future. His his brother, Bo, of course, plays for the team as well. Well, again, it doesn't affect Bo in a way legally. I think in a way, it it's going to affect Bo Melton for sure. It's his younger brother, of course. It's going to affect this team as a whole, but I think it gives a bad look for this Rutgers team. It doesn't give a bad look for Bo Melton directly, but but, but for someone, of course, who is, you know, re- re- related to him, um, it does not look good for the Melton name as a whole. Um,
1: no, I wouldn't say that. I think, you know, you can only just, judge. Just Max no, Melton's Max name, is the I one, mean. Max is the one I mean, Max, who, right, right. Who, who is... Arrested, of course. Bo did nothing wrong. His family did nothing no, wrong. No, of course, and of course. The, and you know, the team did nothing wrong. So of I course. think it, I think it's pretty unfair to say that this reflects poorly on the program.
4: I wouldn't say it directs poorly on the program. What I'm trying to say, the name Max Melton. That that's what I meant to say. I meant yeah, no, you know, f- you know, harsh words or, yeah, or anything I just, like that. Yeah, but
1: the but uh, it's important to say because this isn't like a Kyle Flood. Um, you know, situation where you had like an entire position group arrested or something like that. where no, it was something no. systemic systemic. Mm-hmm. no,
4: of course. You know, of this course. is something
1: that you know. Ultimately, you know, it's unfortunate, and of course, you wish it weren't the case, but um, it's you just know, a, sometimes people, people right. do things that they're not supposed to no, do. Of course. And you know, I, I think it was handled pretty well by the program, actually. No, I do. I so. I do think so as well.
4: I believe Greg's statement was was a was a you know great what st- was a good statement to make. I just think again for. for what I meant, Max Melton, as a whole, for his name. I didn't mean the Melton family. I, I should have been more direct on that. I apologize about that. But as a whole, I think it's just it's it's not a good you know setting. It's not good for Max Melton, of course, and for this Rutgers team that you know is coming off a three and zero start to the year. They've, they've got a lot of hype. They've got a lot of confidence around this team right now. Max Melton has been a main contributor to that hype and to the success thus far this year. It's not a good look, and it, it's definitely going to I think, impact the morale of the setting for this team, not just for next week, but also going forward for possibly the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to take the take the lump and move on. I, I agree, though. I think that they handled it the right way. No, they did. They with, did. Especially with, with like, you, you mentioned Kyle Flood, and when you think about, I guess, misconduct around the team, uh, I, I, I think about the Kyle Flood era. So I think nipping it in the bud in this situation was the right play, and I mm-hmm. think Shiano handled it as well as you can for a situation like this to happen right in this
4: mix of a, you know, 3-0 start. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just, it's it's so, it's it's also heartbreaking. Because, again, you have Bo Melton, who's been a great player. His younger brother, Max, comes some of the ranks. And, again, I'm not comparing between Bo and uh, Max and what they do off the field. It's just Bo... I mean, Mac, Mac, Max, excuse me. It's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's just a really bad look, and for a guy who again had so much promise, has so much potential, someone who was again going to be the next top Melton player in the program, pretty much after Bo left. Now things look, you know, again, it—it it, it looks different in that regard, and as a whole, it's just—it's a real shame. It's—it's—it's it's, it's really sad to see, and as a whole, it's just—it's really, you know, it—it it really hurts this team. It really hurts this team.
1: Yeah, and you know we're going to have, like I said at the top of the show, we're going to have Richie right on in just a moment to uh, describe this a bit more in detail and give us some, you know, a bit of a broader look in terms of what this means for the program going forward. Um, Jared, I'm going to pose this question to you because you know obviously we could talk about the personal side of this and you know obviously you know that kind of behavior isn't acceptable, but I do want to ask you um, what. Right before Big Ten play, Rutgers is flying high, 3-0 and start. Best start that the program has seen in almost a decade. Um, without Max Melton, what does this Rutgers defense look like against Michigan on Saturday?
3: I mean, it's obviously not as good. I mean, that's what we have to look at at first. I mean, he's made plays. He's had a pick six. He's made some other big defensive plays. And obviously, you're not going to have that defensive spark that you would have liked to have. Obviously, they were playing much less talented offenses, so when you start playing these better teams, these better teams in the Big Ten slate, you're going to, hopefully there's not a noticeable difference in the defense, but losing one of the starting guys, I feel like, I feel like that goes in any sport. If you lose a starting player, obviously there's a noticeable difference that you can see, so hopefully the difference isn't that negative, but I mean, I guess we'll just have to see in these games, but if his, it might be known that his presence isn't there, but we really we really won't know until this Big Ten slate starts.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, interesting questions uh, to get to. And when we come back, we are going to get to them with Richie Schneiderite of the Night Report on Rivals.com. So we're gonna take a short break. We'll come back with Richie. You are listening to the Tuesday crew on WRCU FM, New Brunswick.
2: Work it, make
1: it, do it, make sense. Home, never, never welcome back to the wrsu crew on 88.7 fm chris Oconis here with jared bladis alex carminati and nick Valsalen. and now we are going to bring on a guest on the phone richie schneiderite of rutgers rivals uh he is joining the show to um you know give us his thoughts on what took place this morning and what this means for the program going forward uh so richie joins us now richie thank you so much for coming on how are you doing tonight yeah,
2: I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. But uh, real quick, before we start this, I just want to say, I heard that little commercial, the chips on the hamburger. Power
1: <laughs> Oh, man. That's a throwback. That's a throwback, Richie. That goes back to when um, we Justin and I were calling the Last Dance uh, Baseball Tournament. And um, this was back, you know, if you remember, everything got canceled with high school sports and everything, and they put the tournament together for three weeks. We were going around from uh, minor league ballpark to minor league ballpark, uh, just sort of... Um, which I'm going to call it, just calling games. And um, during one of those games, uh, Justin mentioned coming back in the fifth inning that um, he had put him on, and I basically just ripped into him. And I stand by my position. My position has not changed. I'm
2: going to disagree with you. I I think it's a power move.
1: Okay. All right. We'll we'll discuss more off-air, Richie, as we always do. Um, But, you know, I just got to open up this interview with, um, you know, my first question, which is, you know, um, Rutgers finding out this morning, two players, obviously Max Melton and Chris Long, uh, have been suspended from the program after they were arrested in the early morning hours, I guess. What do we know about, you know, what happened with them and what their current status is with the program and, um, you know, just sort of what their current position is um, before we get into the X's and O's of what this means?
2: Well, that that's the big question mark right now. Obviously, um, they're suspended per Coach Chiano's statement this morning, but there's no real clarity on how long or even – there's not actually no clarity if they're suspended for the game, but I would assume they're probably going to miss this game um, in terms of what happened exactly, it, it sounds like based on the report that NJ.com got from uh, Piscataway or Rutgers Police uh, police Captain, I think it is, um, based on that, it just sounds like that they basically like were doing a drive-by with a paintball gun and hit a couple uh pedestrians slash students and the students uh, ended up reporting it to the uh, authorities and that's, uh, it was aggravated assault, I think three counts, but they were released on their own reconnaissance, so. I'm not really sure what um, how long they're going to be suspended for if they even come back. Who really knows?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I obviously a lot of things still in flux. But you know, in the in the short term, I mean, I I can't imagine them you know in, in, unless something really crazy happened. I can't imagine them taking the field on Saturday. Obviously, so I guess you know Max Melton in particular, someone who has been the leader in terms of creating turnovers. And, you know, just getting all of these things, uh, get creating all these big plays for this Rutgers defense that relies heavily on big plays, especially through the first three games. Um, I guess, where does this leave them in the cornerback spot?
2: So that's the little scary part is that they play a ton of nickels. So that involves, obviously, for people that don't know, uh, feel that for most part, of the, for most of the game. Um, losing Milton as one of your starters right away is going to hurt. But on the bright side, a guy like stone Abram has stepped up. I don't even, he's, he's been incredible this year. He's, he stepped up a lot. He, um, he's improved a lot. He's mostly a slot corner. I want to say, but he could, I guess, move to the outside if need be. Um, we don't know the status on the UNC transfer Patrice Renee, who missed the first three games. If you can get him back, that would help a ton, um, just as a stopgap, just to get Melton back too. And, um, I, I don't know, it's going to be really tough. You think ideally against Michigan, you're not going to play, uh, three cornerbacks anyway, but, uh, who, who knows, that run game and uh, that pass game even. I think they didn't like 300-something yards last year. It
1: was it was something to that effect. But I remember our game last year against Michigan. and I think it was – what was the final score in that, 44-41 or something to that 47-42,
4: effect? 47-42, I
2: believe. Thank you. It, it's tough because they can pass the ball really well, they've shown last year. And then this year they're they're just running. It's going to be interesting. But losing your starting cornerback who's leading the team in, reception, or in interceptions and interceptions is a huge, huge blow to the defense.
1: So Richie, I guess to follow up on that, you mentioned Kassan Abraham. There are a couple other guys, Trey Avery, Avery Young. I know Avery Young at safety at the moment, but he's played corner in the past. Um, who do you think in that secondary is best equipped to sort of um, I guess, um, how do I put this? Just most likely to be to the bet their to their best extent, uh, the guy that can, you know, create those big plays, possibly get a pick when you need one or, you know, force a fumble or deflect a lot of passes. I guess who do you think is best equipped to do that?
2: Um, that, that's a tough question. Ideally, you don't want to move Avery Young from a safety spot this year because he looks pretty decent back there. But he had, like you said, he has the capabilities to play cornerback. And he's actually played cornerback at Michigan in the big house back in 2019. So, a factor. But I, I really like this saw Abram. I know he's a little on the shorter side. I actually asked Greg about him on Monday. And he kind of said he'll fight tooth and nail for it, uh, for that ball, no matter what. He might be undersized. He might be around the 5'9", 5'10 range. Although Rutgers prefers their corners a little taller, like six foot, six foot one around there. But he he will fight tooth and nail for that ball, and he will, um, I think he'd do a heck of a job stepping in for Melton if need be.
1: And I guess, you know, just looking, you know, more broadly now that we've addressed the Melton situation a bit, um, you know, Rutgers, Michigan, a matchup that, you know, historically has not been, with the exception of last year, historically has not been very competitive um you know and and Michigan you know just seems to be on another level currently a top 10 team in the country coming off some big wins of themselves uh the quarterback McNamara has just played very very well to start the season I guess what do you make of you know the other aspects of that matchup
2: um I think the biggest thing that you got to pay attention to is that uh Michigan run game versus the Rutgers uh rush defense it's it's going to be an interesting one just for this whole fact that Rutgers that's probably their biggest struggle when it comes to defense um And then on top of that, I think Michigan's averaging 8-point-something yards per carry, 8.4 yards around there or something per carry, which is an insane stat to begin with. But that's probably going to be the match if you want to watch the most. And then, like like I said, Cade McNamara is no joke. He's only thrown, I think, 15 attempts in the most in one of the first three games of the season. But he still can swing it with just about the best of anybody. So, uh, this game's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really not that confident in Rutgers, especially because Michigan's defense is good, too. So... It's it's going to be an interesting matchup, but I, I think I'm going to have to take Michigan and then probably go to points.
1: Obviously, you know, 3-0 and start, and of course the Melton thing changes the equation but on the defensive side of the ball. But um, I, I guess when you look at the Big Ten schedule, the nine games left on the schedule for Rutgers, uh, two-part question for you. One, do you think that they can get to six wins? And two, where do you see those wins most likely coming from?
2: That's a really good question because we talked about this the other day at practice between a couple of the beat writers, and it, it's really tough to project where this Big Ten's going to go from here on out. Um, you just saw Penn take down Auburn, so I, I don't, I'm going to count that one as a loss. Ohio State's probably a loss. They're, they did lose to Oregon early in the season, but it's still at the end of the day it's Ohio State. Um, Michigan State's ranked for the first time in, in Mel Tucker's uh, career, I believe. That's a tough one. I, I think if you're going to go anywhere with wins-wise, it'd probably be about against the first-year coach in Brett Bellinia at Illinois. Um, maybe you're facing Art maybe other quarterbacks, but uh, I think that's a potential win there. Northwestern's up and down. They've lost a ton of seniors, so you have a shot there. If you're going to get the six wins, basically, you're going to have to either knock off a team you're not supposed to or win out against Northwestern, Illinois, and uh, Maryland.
4: Richie, Alex Carbonati of WRSU talking with you. Great to have you on the program today. We really, really appreciate your time. Um, this situation, of course, is tough. It's really unfortunate. But when, when it comes to this Rutgers team this year, they're 3-0. and They've got lots of confidence thus far. This thing, of course, is going to hurt them a bit. In what way does this off-the-field situation involving Melton and Long, how does it affect the morale of this team, Not not just for this upcoming week against Michigan, but for the remainder of the entire season?
2: I don't think it really is gonna have a huge effect on the entire season. mostly it would probably affect more of this upcoming game. There was a lot of hype around the program and between the students and faculty and et cetera et cetera that was building up for this big game against Michigan that's a potential upset. There's a couple like guys on uh on various websites are predicting it, predict, predict oh jeez, I can't talk projecting an upset but i don't I don't know if it's um I don't know how this is gonna affect the team morale like you said I think it's gonna hurt a little bit especially when his uh, older brother's on the team, too. But, again, then again, it could just be we don't know the full story. Until we get that full police report, I don't really know uh, how you can really comment on it too much.
1: All right, Richie, uh, we're going to have to let you go. Really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us here on the crew. Hope to have you back again soon.
2: Yeah, no problem. I'm always around, and, guys, I'll I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks so much. All right, thank you. That was Richie Schneiderite of The Night Report. Uh, Check out some of his stuff over at Rivals.com if you haven't already, Richie great friend of the program glad to have him back on uh we're gonna take a short break and when we come back we'll have locks of the week so don't go anywhere you are listening to the tuesday crew on wrsu fm new brunswick
4: Locks of the week, locks of the week, locks of the week on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. This is the Tuesday edition of the WRSU crew on 88.7 FM, also online at wrsu.org. I'm Alice Carbonati with Nick Valsarin, Jared Bladice. Our good friend Chris Laconis stepped away for a second. But, gentlemen, it's locks of the week time. Who has a lock? Who wants to start us off? Jared, Nick, gentlemen, the
0: floor is yours. This is always, always one of my favorite segments. There's a lot of money switching hands right now in the sportsbooks world, man. Crazy money coming out. And it was a good weekend for me overall, man. I feel like I did pretty good.
4: Time to make some more dough, my friend. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Time to go right back in. So uh, I'm looking up at the NFL uh, weekend uh, coming up, and I see something that I like a lot. Um, The first lock, I'd say, for me, Patriots at home, uh, they're uh, minus three against uh, the Saints. I think that's a lock at home Uh, so far I mean we've seen a pretty much a well orchestrated very responsible offense we've seen with Mac Jones and that's exactly the Patriot way now you're going up against Jameis Winston Uh, I mean I I, we had kind of a mixed bag with Jameis right we had a really good first week and then not so much the second week so I I think Bill Belichick is going to uh, really test Jameis uh, his vision this he's, week. We all know his, he'll
4: test his Winston too. If you know, you know, when it comes to his, uh, his overall play,
0: he's going to test him this week, man. We know his his vision wasn't that good. He got the LASIK. I hope the LASIK is working well this week. I think New England gets a couple picks against Jameis, makes him make some mistakes, and I think minus three is a lock at home for New England. Come on, man, give
3: me that. Fair enough, Jared. Do we have something similar, different? What's your lock? I guess similar. I'll stick with the National Football League. I'll go with we got a game in two days Thursday night football, Panthers versus Texans. Um, Carolina minus seven and a half. I will take the Panthers. The Panthers have been playing well. Sam Darnold looks good. You know, he left the Jets, left Adam Gase. Looks like a legitimate NFL quarterback. And the Texans starting quarterback Tyrod Taylor got injured last game. He won't be playing, so they're starting rookie. From rookie quarterback Davis Mills from Stanford, who looked okay last game after Taylor got hurt. But still, I think that the Panthers are just a better team, and people really have a lot of people have the Texans as one of the worst teams in the NFL. So I would not be surprised if the Panthers win by a solid margin this week. So I would take Sam Darnold's Panthers as the lock of the week.
4: Carolina's legit, guys. No, seriously, they're, they're 2-0. and They're very underrated. Sam Darnold, I've always believed he's a good quarterback. If you, if you put him in the right system with the right pieces, he will thrive. He will succeed. Flashback to 2019, 7-6 for a reason after coming back from Mono. Who was his top target? Robbie Anderson. Who's his top target now? Robbie Anderson in uh, Carolina. That that's a great pick. Your great pick system. also is great as well, Nick. Great system. We're talking I about am system.
0: Brady. Joe Brady's. That's a great system. Absolutely. Carolina, um, and we talking about Matt Rule. Uh, great leadership overall. I think that's a sleeper team this year.
4: Absolutely, indeed. I'm going to stick with Rutgers, but I'm not going with Rutgers football. I'm going with Rutgers women's soccer. Yeah. Women's Soccer picked up a great win this past Sunday, 2-1 against Penn State. After two tough losses, they bounced back against Drexel one week ago. That was Mike O'Neill's 100th career win. He got his 101st uh, career win against Penn State this past uh, Sunday. Sam Croker got the uh, first goal of the game. Becky Fluchel got the game-winning goal off a PK. Rutgers, after that win against Penn State, they're now number nine in the entire country. They're a top-10 team. They've been incredible this year. They've scored over thirty 30- 30 goals in only about 7 or, or 8 games this year. The offense is flying. The offense is ridiculous thus far. And they really played a great game and pulled off a great win against a powerful Penn State program that has been powerful for a long, long time. I'm going to say they they win this Thursday. They play Michigan. I'm on the call with my good friend Chris Sakonis. But I think they win the game. I think they win 3-1. to one. Rutgers Women's Soccer, Frankie Frank Taliaferi coming in. She's been the bright spark to this team. She's been the extra scorer they've desperately needed. Uh, Amir Ali, of course, is still leading the way. Sam Kroger, Sarah Brocious, I think the best top two sophomore duo, possibly not just in the Big Ten, but maybe in the entire country. They are a one-two-two-two peas in a pod. They are a one-two punch. They are fantastic, and they are dynamic scoremakers as well and playmakers and scorers as a whole. And freshman Riley Tiernan ha- has been killing it as well. Three goals on the year. She's been producing. She's fit in the system just like a glove. She's producing as a freshman. And she is really a key factor to this really great offense that Rutgers has as a whole. It's not just the offense, it's the defense as well. Allison Lynch, Gabby Provenzano, Becky Fluchel as well, and Megan McClellan is rock solid in goal. This is a really top team. I think they can con- con- continue their success. They opened the Big Ten uh, in-conference year with a big win against Penn State. I think they win their second in-conference matchup with another big win this, this upcoming Thursday against Michigan at your field. It's big. It's definitely big indeed. You guys mentioned football. Let's stay with football for a bit right now. And last night, my Packers, I'm a, I'm a Green Bay fan. If that That's not a secret at, at at this point here at WRSU. But Aaron Rodgers looked fantastic. Down 17-14 after one half a play. 21 unanswered points. Rodgers had over 200 passing yards, four touchdowns. Aaron Jones looked fantastic. He also had four touchdowns in total. Three in the air, one on the ground. Green Bay's back. Green Bay's back. They bounced back after a really tough loss to the Saints, 38-3 in Week 1. They looked great last night. Aaron looked like Aaron Rodgers himself as well. I'm curious, guys, your thoughts. Jared, I'll start with you. Green Bay's now 1-1. They've turned things around. Their confidence is back. Again, it's only two games into the season, but last night was a big win for where the Packers are going direction-wise uh, this year. Give me your thoughts on Rodgers' performance, on Jones' great game, on the Packers' win as a whole last night night
3: Yeah, I thought it was a really good game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers played like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones played like Aaron Jones. I mean, we know he had four touchdowns. I mean, he they played very very well. And I think even after the bad performance last week, I mean, they made Jameis Winston look like the greatest quarterback ever. But even besides that, they they bounced back in a big yeah, way yeah. against the Lions team that I actually don't think is that bad. Jared Goff, T.J. Hawkinson, they're an okay team. And right. the Packers ended up killing them at the end which I thought was good to see from the Green Bay Packers. But I do think that and I think that everyone thinks is I think the Packers are going to make the playoffs. I mean, they have Aaron Rodgers. You expect them to make the playoffs and if they don't make the playoffs it's a shocker. So they'll win double-digit games, they'll get back on track. It was just a weird week 1 I think for the Packers and I just think I don't I think there was a little reason to worry week 1 just because of so much of the controversy around Rodgers with the off season what he was going to do, where he wants to play, where he wants to be. But I think that like he came back out second game, primetime game Monday night, and just showed the NFL that he's here to play. He's the reigning MVP, and he's got he's got it in the bag.
4: Definitely. Definitely indeed. Nick Detroit was up 17 to 14 at halftime. And Jared makes a great point. The Lions are a better team than people think, to be honest with you. They 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 blew me away. They scared me at first in the first half. Jared Goff looks great. He looks calm, cool, collective. He made lots of great throws last night. The the, the second half was different, of course, but in the first half, he found Hawkinson, his, his his top target. He was using his weapons to his advantage. Jared Goff as a whole has improved drastically. Uh, dramatically, rather, from uh, last year. Jarrett Goff and and the Lions, again, they might not be a playoff team, but Jarrett Goff as a whole and this entire Lions offense, they can really surprise people at times when when even needed.
0: You're really trying to sell the Lions, but I respect it, though. I respect it. I think the Lions are going to play better than most people think. I do, too. Uh, when it comes to the Packers, I mean, they never left, in my opinion. Obviously, they had a they had a rough first game, but right. I mean, it's to be expected when your best player just started playing about two weeks ago. So, I mean, you got the rust. The, ruck, the rust was officially kicked off. I think halftime, they kicked the rust off, mm-hmm. and you've seen that in the second half, and that's exactly what happened. But the Lions, I mean, they put up 33 points uh, the week prior on the on the 49ers, who people. People say, people expect, they suspect that they'll be a good team, and I'm not so sure about that. We'll see. I mean, I think we'll get a real taste of what they're made of next week when they play the Packers.
4: All depends on Jimmy G, Trey Lance, the entire QB situation right there, and they have injuries at the same time.
0: Very much up in the air, uh, from what I saw. I I got a lot of good uh, film on the Packers. I mean, the uh, the 49ers last week, and that offense looks pedestrian. I mean, obviously, they got things done when they had to. Uh-huh. That was a, that was an interesting game as well. Did you catch that game, the 49ers and the Eagles?
4: Yeah, it was back and forth. They, they were up by 14. I tell you, the Eagles should have tied that game. They could have possibly had that game, too. Jalen Hurts balled out, but they couldn't get any points on that possible game-tying drive. Yeah. I see what you're saying as a whole. Look, San, 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 San Fran's a good team. They're a good team, but they're not the team of two years ago, they're definitely not at all. Most of those guys have left. As a whole, this team can't stay healthy ever since that season. Raheem Mostert's done for the year again. They've got several injuries to to their running game, several injuries to their you know uh, defensive game as well. Ever since Richard Sherman left, they, they have not been the same in uh, the secondary. To that wise, I think as a whole, look again, San Fran's a good team. Detroit's even, you know, a decent team. Green Bay as a whole really just played great last night. I think when you, you know, balance things out between the Packers and Alliance, especially for next week upcoming, Detroit's got Baltimore. Baltimore's coming off this big win uh, against Kansas City. The, The Niners are 2 0, like you mentioned not just these two teams but also the NFC North division as a whole. It's 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 a bit intriguing two weeks into the season. The Bears are 1 and 1. The Vikings are 0 and 2. The Lions are 0 and 2. The Packers are 1 and 1. So it's closer two weeks in than people really projected. I'm curious where this division kind of rolls through in week 3. What do you mean like who wins? Not just who wins, but how things really, you know, turn out after two after two weeks. I'm 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 really curious to see how the Packers continue to respond. I'm sure they'll they'll, they'll, they'll they'll respond great. But when it comes to these other teams in this division, the Bears, the Lions, the Vikings, as a whole, how do they keep their seasons going? Mainly Minnesota after two really tough losses, Detroit especially after two really tough losses. I'm curious where those teams go after an 0-2 start. I'm also curious where Chicago goes, especially since Andy Dolan's now injured. Well,
0: I'd say the only team worth even mentioning out of, uh, besides the Packers, obviously, would be the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings are 0-2, yes. I mean, the Vikings are 0-2 in the same sense. And, okay, the 49ers are 2-0, and different division. But we're talking about just they look like this. They're, like, on the same level to me, though. So, okay, so what happened? The Vikings lost a very close game against the Bengals. Okay. So, over time, you, you lost a tough one. Okay. That's typically Kirk Cousins type. That's usually his M.O. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they had a really – that was a really exciting game they had yesterday against the Cardinals. Yeah. And I thought they could have won that game. Actually, it was pretty much down to the final play. They and, should have won it. You know
4: that kick, man. He missed that. Fr- he missed that field goal. That's exactly. what cost him.
0: So they're very, very close to being. You could have been two and zero with a few things had it went differently. So I think they still have a chance in that division. I wouldn't write off the Vikings, but I mean the Bears. I mean we're we're talking about potentially a rookie quarterback going under center there, and I don't know what to. And I'm not buying on the Lions. Uh, no matter what you tell me, I'm not buying the Lions.
4: Uh, they're going nowhere. Don't get me wrong, but Jared Goff, I think, as a whole, again, maybe he won't stay there. He won't. He he won't be committed to, to Detroit long term. This is a year for Jared Goff just to bounce back. This is a bounce back. Let's get back into the situation. Let's rebound type of season for Jared Goff. And again, maybe, maybe he stays in Detroit. Maybe he doesn't. We'll see. We'll see where it plays out. You know, for the long term situation. I think. Look again. Detroit is going nowhere. They're not going to make the playoffs or not they're nowhere close to be, being a playoff team. I definitely agree with that. And again, even though they were close one half in, the second half they just lost it completely. I think Jared Goff can make this team more attractive offensively though, especially when it comes to the way he's been playing this far this year and how he's looking to have really a big bounce back season.
3: Yeah, I think that like how the NFC North is shaping out, I do think Packers will win it. and I think come like the Vikings lost those two tough games, but come December, I would not be surprised if we're talking about the Vikings fighting for one of those three wild card spots. I definitely think they're a good enough team to get it. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And then for the Bears, I mean, listen, the Bears, they're all right, but at this point, you drafted a rookie quarterback. Your starting quarterback is banged up. You might as well just throw Fields in, see what he's got. Fields is probably the answer in Chicago, right? But you might as well just. If the season's a loss, you might as well just let Fields get some game time, let him get some NFL experience in. I mean, he got a little experience last game. He looked okay, but if you continually throw Dolan out there and put Fields in once in a while, he's not going to learn as much as if you just throw Fields in, which I think they should do. I'd give Dolan another couple weeks. I mean, he's Andy Dolan. He's brought the team to the playoffs before. But eventually, this will be Justin Fields' team. And then for the Lions, I mean, the Lions have nothing to prove. They're just going out there to have fun. But I do think Jared Goff has a lot to prove because the Lions could be in the market for a rookie quarterback next offseason. They'll be a bad team. They'll have a top-ten draft pick. Will they draft a quarterback? Will Jared Goff lead them to a couple wins, show that he's a capable starter? Or maybe Jared Goff might play well and another team might be like, he could be our guy next season. Because Jared Goff, we saw with the Rams, Jared Goff was a solid quarterback, but with a very good team around him. He brought them to the Super Bowl. He could be one of those quarterbacks, like the Kirk Cousins, the Jared Goffs, the Tannehills where they're a very solid quarterback, but he they can with a good team around them, they can go far. So Goff has to prove that he's a viable starting QB in the NFL this season, even if his team is okay, to see if a team will pick him up, or to see if he'll be the starting quarterback of the Lions. But at the end of the day, like in the NFC North, the Packers will win it, the Vikings might be a wild card, and the other two teams are just out there playing every week for fun.
4: I think Chicago, again, say what you want about this. I, I, I think Chicago is, is a bit underrated, and here's why. Good. Look, say what you want about Justin Fields in the preseason, but he looked very good in that preseason. He looked very Fields? good.
3: He did. I get it. It depends it's, who he's going to start. He could be starting week eight or he could be starting week four. We really don't know yet. No, of course. It's a big difference.
4: It, it, it also depends on how Andy Dolan responds to the injury. Is he going to play next week? Is, is he going to play in general? You know, I mean, it's it's not that serious of an injury the way it sounds. But when is he going to play? When when will he come back? So the way it looks, Justin Fields could be starting this upcoming week. He could be starting in week four. Who knows? But right now they're one and one. Again, two games in. I get it. But if Justin Fields is able to take over and also you know really run down the reins and make this team attractive and competitive and maybe for that playoff spot, Chicago could also find themselves secretly and quietly in the mix too, Nick.
0: I agree. I agree. I couldn't agree more. But I think the only way that that happens is with Justin Fields. I agree. In the center. Andy, Dolan, be Andy
4: Dolan Andy Dolan gets him nowhere. He's he his time has passed him and if you really think about it, Jared, you mentioned him get to the playoffs. Andy Dolan has not won one playoff series or one playoff game at all.
3: He can get you there, but...
4: He can get you there, but he can't get you to win there. That's the problem. Justin Fields, he's young. I get it. But Justin Fields, over time, is going to be built to get that team, Chicago, to playoff wins and playoffs in general. And... In all honesty, I think he's the next big quarterback in that division. Aaron Rodgers is pretty much going to leave after this year. It's the last ride, last dance. It's sad to say for my sake, but he's going to leave. I think I, I think he leaves. I th- I, th- I think he goes to Denver. But when it comes to the next big quarterback in that division, yeah, Jared Goff might be in that conversation, but Jared Goff's not guaranteed to stay in Detroit after this year. If you look long-term in, in, the, in the NFC North, especially after this season, the first guy you, you probably think of of being the guy in that division, maybe Kirk Cousins, but mostly I think Justin Fields. Kirk Cousins is 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 overrated. I think Kirk can, Cousins. Mm. All I think he is. I, I I think he's overrated. I think he's overpaid. He hasn't been able to come up in the clutch and and in the big moments. He doesn't do that. Justin Fields is young. Ju- Justin Fields still needs to build and still grow in this system. But when you look at it as a long term situation. When I think of a quarterback who's going to be the next top quarterback in that division just after Aaron Rodgers, Justin Fields the first guy that comes to my mind. I agree
0: with that. I think at this point with Kirk Cousins, he pretty much is what he is at this point. Right. I think you know what he is. I know you know what he's not, and you know what he is. Right. He's not the worst quarterback in the league. But, but he's, he's not the greatest either. He's certainly not in the top 10, but he's in the middle of the pack. He can get you in the mix. He can have you in competitive games, and you could win it. I mean, the Vikings have a good team around them. But, yeah, he has that, like I said, he has that M.O. for not getting it done, ultimately, and winning close games or big games. So...
4: Absolutely, no. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's it, it's really intriguing to see where where this division goes, where the Packers go as a whole, and this ju- just this entire season. And Week three kicks off on Thursday. Carolina, Houston. We talked about that a bit earlier. Jared, you're a big fan of those Panthers right now. They're two and zero. That was your lock of the week, and I I agree. They're 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 a really good team. I think they're a team that could. L- I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs. I think they're going to make a run. And if Sam Darnold, this seems to be the right system for Sam Darnold. He's got weapons. He's got receivers. He's got confidence. He has something to work around with. He didn't have that last year in the Jets. Sam Darnold, if you think about it, is a good quarterback. You just have to put him in the right system and give him the right pieces to work with. He had nothing of that last year. You're seeing it in two games. And Sam Darnold Darnold looks very good, very confident, very calm, cool, and collective. Two games in, expect him to blow it out again. And really just go, go, really play great again this this, this upcoming Thursday to kick off week three.
3: Yeah, I mean, you could have put Sam Darnold on any of the other 31 teams in the NFL and he probably would have been good. I think it was just he was really bad on the Jets. It, we, it, we saw it, it, I don't know about it all that. It depends on the situation. The Jets it, were really, really, really bad. No, they're bad. They still are. But we can see with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is in this bad, but he threw four receptions.
4: No, no, look, again, it all depends on the system. I think if you put Sam Darnold in Cincinnati, he has no offensive line. He gets injured. That's yes. the problem. Yes. I. I, I wouldn't say all other 31 teams. Again, a guy like Darnold has to be put in the right system and a system that, that's going to revolve around him. That's what you need for a guy like that. It's, it's it's kind of the same thing with Mac Jones. Mac Jones needs weapons to work with. He needs a system to work with. He's got that right now in New England to start. You, you saw it against the Jets. Say what you want about the Jets or not. But you're seeing it with Mac Jones right now. As a whole, you need to give a quarterback, especially these new quarterbacks up and coming, these younger quarterbacks now in the league, they have to be supported with receivers. Whether you know it's Donald, whether it's Mac Jones, whether it's, it's J- Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, whoever else you want to put into the equation, they have to be given receivers and something to work with. That's how much of the game has been stretched out to. Look, Joe, Joe Montana had the same thing. So did Brady, so did Rodgers, so does Mahomes, so does every other quarterback. The, those quarterbacks are different talent-wise. I'm, I'm not saying Sam Donald's not talented. What I'm saying is that a guy like Sam Darnold in, in order for him to thrive and be successful, he has to be given support. A guy like Mac Jones has to be given support. A guy like Justin Fields—he's talented, but he also needs support. Same thing with Zach Wilson—talented, needs support. The way the, the the way the quarterback game is going, especially how highly offensive it is, and the you, you know the way the forward pass has completely taken over the game, especially for the past two, three, four decades longer than that even—it says a lot about where, where the game is going, where the game has been going. I just think for, for for guys like Darnold, for guys like uh, Mac Jones, and guys like that, you have to put them in cultures that want them to win and want them to thrive and want them to succeed. And Carolina this year is going to be a team that, that's that that that's going to surprise people. They have a decent offense. They have a pretty good defense as well. Christian McCaffrey right there is the best running back in the game. Now that now that you give him a a, a quarterback to work with, probably the f- best quarterback since Cam Newton that he's had. That says a lot about where this team is going. Tampa's going to win that division, for sure. There's no question about it. But Carolina can sneak in as a wild card. And when it comes to teams just in general like Arizona, who are supposed to shock people, teams, um, other teams that were supposed to shock people, like Washington even at times, or maybe, you know, you know, Teams like the Bears, possibly, or or the Vikings, or teams like that, teams that are most spo- were supposed to sneak in, might not sneak in this year because of the Carolina Panthers and how well they're playing so far, but how well they probably will be playing for the rest of this year.
3: Yeah, I they could definitely slide in. But I want to comment on one thing you said. Ask you a quick question. You really, sure. You really think McCaffrey's the best running back in the league? That's
0: a good question. As As of, of right King Henry, now. I think, I think it's. I think it's Henry. Oh, no, uh, that's, that's a legitimate question.
4: No. no, it is. It is. It's. A, it's a good question. Derrick Henry is great. So is McCaffrey. I think it's a nail biter. But it's a nail biter in favor of McCaffrey. I think it is because. Hold on. Because. Because. I think with what McCaffrey has been able to deal with, especially the past few years, whether it's injuries, whether it's a lack of an offensive system, when healthy, he's still able to pull up put up numbers. When healthy, he's still able to become the the dangerous pass catching option he is. And now that Sam Darnold's in the mix and actually using McCaffrey to his advantage, that's a different story.
3: Derrick Henry's great too. Derrick I mean, he Henry's fantastic. He won that game last night by himself or 2 days ago. By Henry, he did. Yeah, no, he, put he the did. Team on his back. I agree that with was that. An incredible performance.
4: It's just again, and we've we've seen Derrick Henry Defy odds. We've seen Derrick Henry win big games. We've seen K- Christian McCaffrey, to a certain respect, do that too. I just think McCaffrey as a whole is more talented, and I say that because he's not just the run option. He's the pass option. Yes. You can use him in, in multiple ways. You can use Derrick Henry as well in multiple ways, but not compared to McCaffrey. That's why I, I, I lean with McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey, excuse me, and Christian McCaffrey as a whole, he's more flexible in a way compared to, to, to Derrick Henry.
0: I would agree with that, but I'll add to... Um... Um, t- to Derrick Henry's defense. Was one of his more dynamic games, I say at six receptions, fifty five yards. He actually, I agree. He, he p- actually was very effective in the passing no, he game. Was. And that was my biggest knock. That's my biggest knock on, on, on when you talk about this conversation. I think that that's gotta be your one A, one B. Uh McCaffrey's you know, he came in the league as a you know tr- he's a he's a multi-purpose back, and then he became right. more of a bruiser behind the you know between the tackles. Right, right. Derrick Henry's your pounded, you know. But the problem was we've seen two Derrick Henrys. Well, we've the first week anyway. What happened with against the Cardinals? They got behind early, right. and he was uh, more or less neutrally neutralized. He was ineffective. Uh-huh. That was not the case in this game. But I think you have a team like the Seahawks, who is a a style of play you can you can utilize a guy like Derrick Henry. But he looked great. But I would, I'm with you. I would give the edge to Christian McCaffrey because I just think he's a little bit more of an all-purpose. But he it's is. close. It's close. No, I mean-
4: no, it it is very close. Don't get me wrong. It it's not one guy taking over the other all the way. It's not a one-sided affair. It's very close. I said, I said earlier, I bite my tongue on it and I sort of nail-bite it in favor of Christian McCaffrey a slight edge. Derrick Henry is great. They are the top two backs in football. That we can agree on. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But. I give the edge to McCaffrey because of the flexibility. And when he's been in really bad situations, he's been able to still perform and lead his team to a certain amount of success by him carrying uh, the team's back. We'll take a break. What a discussion here after Locks of the Week. We we, we had Locks of the Week. We got football. There's so much to talk about, so much more to talk about here on the Tuesday edition of the crew. Stay locked. Stay tuned in. We'll be right back after the short break. This is the Tuesday edition of the W. WRSU crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. Can we just
1: talk?
4: Can we just talk? Can we just talk? We definitely could talk here on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. This is the... Tuesday edition of The Crew on 88.7 FM, also online at wrsu.org. Jared Bladice is with me. Also is Nick Valsarin. Uh, Val Salen, excuse me. I'm Alice Carbonati with you on 88.7 FM. Again, the Tuesday edition of the crew of WRSU. Guys, we have five minutes left in the first hour of this show, hour two coming up at the 7 o'clock hour. Altogether, again, Rutgers is back in person. We're back in general. And it's so it's such a blessing to be back in person for us here at WRSU, covering sports at your sack field, at SHI Stadium, later on this year at the RAC, with fans. Actually, back in the stadium, the buses are packed. Whether you like it or not, classes are in person. Campus is alive as a whole. I've asked Jared this, but Nick, I'll, I want to focus off to you first. Um, it's so great to be to, to be back in person after such a stressful time, a really downtime with the COVID-19 pandemic. COVID's still happening. Don't get me wrong, but the vaccine has definitely played a factor in fighting COVID. Give me your thoughts thus far on how Rutgers has been open for the past three weeks and how this fall semester is going for you.
0: Man, I'd say it's going pretty well overall. I mean, it's good to see people back on, on campus, good to see people back out, being with their friends, man, having a good time. Uh, it's a little bit uh, of an adjustment. You know, obviously we've been kind of like, uh, I'm. first thing I'll tell you off the bat, you know, we've been in COVID. And I'll tell you that I'm, you know, I'm out of breath going up and down these stairs, walking to classes. (laughs) That's the realistic uh, facts, you know, because we've been I I haven't been doing as much movement, I guess you could say. It's much shorter walk from my uh, bed uh, to my desk, uh, walking up and down the stairs and everything like that. For sure. Testing my lungs a little bit, but it feels good, man. It feels good to be. You know, breathing that fresh air of the Veriton River, you know, and uh, it, it's just good to get back on campus. You know, I'm dodging these, uh, sh- these, uh, what are these uh, flies or whatever. They oh, these they lantern call. flies. That's that's
4: a whole nother story here to go on.
0: Yeah, but overall, man, uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to be back, and uh, you know, I got some uh, some outfits that I've been holding out through the pandemic. Uh, all my sneakers are back in rotation, and uh, life life is good, bro.
4: Amen. Amen to that indeed. Yeah, I mean, it's just—it's so great to be back. I'll be honest, COVID has put me out of shape for sure. That has definitely happened with me for the past 18 months or so. But, yeah, it's so great to be back. It's such, it's such a blessing to be back as a whole. Jared, we've talked about this before a lot, about, again, just being back on campus, having the campus environment back in person. You're a transfer student. This is more your first Rutgers experience as well. I'm curious how it's been for you now three weeks in.
3: It's been... It's been good. I think it's been tiring. I feel like we can all say it's been tiring. I mean, I'm super tired right now. But it's been... I just think it's just nice to be back. I mean, it's nice to be in class with other people. It's nice to just interact with other people via face-to-face communication. Right. And just the Zoom. But I still have some, like, online... Cl- I don't know about you guys, but I still have a couple online classes. Yeah. Which is, like... It's kind of nice because it, like, lessens my schedule a little bit. Like, it's less moving around, less sitting in a hour and twenty minute class in person, losing my mind. But I just think that overall it's been it's been a good experience and I like how there's still the balance of like COVID's not done. We still have some precautions. Like we got some really big classes still online. But like I think they found a good balance to get this campus back up and running this semester. So props to them and I think it's been going really well and hopefully for the rest of the semester it continues to just go really well. So absolutely I,
0: I know i can't be the only one i had a couple professors i feel like they may be missing the online because i'm like seeing like well actually i'm gonna be honest like my, my day today was completely online mm-hmm. so my first time stepping on campus was to come to the crew you know which mm-hmm. is a great reason to be on campus regardless so but know, I'm, I'm thinking uh more and more people we've seen a little a little flex hybrid situation if mm-hmm. you will
4: yeah them. definitely indeed i mean again it's still hybrid the, the, there are still some covet issues going on but as a whole it's a blessing to have the in-person. It's a blessing to have the entire campus live, active, fully vaccinated, fully safe, all of that. It's a blessing. It's such great. It's so great to have it. And 18 months later, you know, again, we're still dealing with COVID, but, but we're, we're, we, 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 we've been able to battle it in a much more, you know, comfortable and collective way. That's all after one hour. One hour is done. One hour more to come on the Tuesday edition of The Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. We'll take a break, and then we'll be back for the second hour. Stay with us on 88.7 FM, also online at wrsu.org.